0: Hello, I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. Welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today, a show about emerging technology and trends in mobility with leaders and innovators who make it all happen. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to be joined by Kathy Winter, Chief Operating Officer at May Mobility, and Thomas Johnson Kaiser, CAVEX Engagement, and Project Manager at Minnesota DOT. On this episode, they will discuss the GoMarty Project and the societal impact of using autonomous vehicles for public transportation we hope you enjoy this episode welcome to the podcast thanks for having us
1: thank you great
0: to be here excited to have you here because what may and Minnesota Department of Transportation doing is special may is scaling and creating value in Minnesota and Minnesota Department of Transportation is offering really wonderful support and it's a great example of a public private partnership that's excelling and doing great things for the residents of Minnesota Kathy, you have a long-standing background of doing great things at Intel. When I saw the announcement, I said, oh, wow, May's up to something. Because in in November 2022, you joined as chief operating officer. Why?
1: Uh, Grayson, that's a great question. And I'm getting that a lot from family, friends, and everyone. And uh, (laughs) I have to tell you, um, I've always been a big company uh, person my whole career. And uh, when I looked at May they're doing something i'm really passionate about. i've been uh, involved with automated driving and adas and automotive for too many years to even say and i love that space, but uh, when i looked at may and their mission, you know, to make transportation more accessible, safe, you know, it just available to everyone, inclusive. It just felt like something i was really passionate about. and i love the adas space, i love the automated driving, autonomous driving space. so this is just the perfect chance to help May build on everything they've already done. They've done great work, fantastic groundwork there, and uh, hopefully I can help them accelerate to scale that across the whole uh, world. There's no doubt
0: in my mind you can help them accelerate. I want to highlight may has a great culture. You have Edwin on the team. You have Curtis Hodge, who who recently joined you as well There's a really great culture of individuals who want to solve really big problems. And plus, you have the wonderful backing of the the Toyota company. Kathy, you said you're a big company person. We've met when you were at Intel, and you were doing big things there. You're in the COO role now. Are you gonna take all that experience from Intel and big company world and help may scale throughout the country?
1: Well, that's the plan. But uh, before I was at Intel, I was also at Delphi. So uh, I got to get a lot of great hands-on experience with uh, the very first autonomous driving vehicles there. And then building on that from a tier one experience to go to Intel, which was Tier two, but working really, really closely with all the big players out in the industry. Fantastic work by the teams there, and so yes, I hope to take everything that uh, I've learned. And like I said, the team has laid great groundwork, and now how do we how do we really take it big time and get into all these different communities and really make a difference?
0: Thomas, one of those communities is in your home state, Minnesota. It's in Grand Rapids. What are your thoughts on May operating in a rural part? of the state through the Go Marty program, I want to highlight to our listeners, it's in the northern part of the state. It's not in the Twin Cities. It's a, it's a rural community, roughly 10,000 individuals that live there and, and call it home. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, we're really excited to have May Mobility and the Go Marty project in Grand Rapids and in greater Minnesota, so uh, in rural Minnesota there in Grand Rapids. This is actually our third automated shuttle project we have at MnDOT. The first one was in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, in downtown Rochester, so more of an urban setting. We have one currently in White Bear Lake, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities that's more of a suburban setting, and so now we have this one in Grand Rapids in a rural setting. So we're really excited to be bringing this automated vehicle technology to a variety of areas throughout the state, all that urban, suburban, and rural, and testing different technology uh, in all three of those projects. So. Very excited to have uh, Go Marty in Grand Rapids.
0: Rochester's home to the world-famous Mayo Clinic. Is that where these autonomous vehicles were running?
2: Yeah, there was uh, two stops in that project in downtown Rochester, and one of them was right outside one of the Mayo Clinic buildings.
0: Beautiful. Three projects. You have Rochester, you have White Bear Lake, and now you have Grand Rapids. Where is the drive and desire coming from from MnDOT to say, yes, we want autonomous vehicles. Yes, we want them in our state. Where does that drive and desire come from?
2: Yeah, well, we really see that there's a lot of potential benefit to connected automated vehicles for Minnesotans. And so we're wanting to be testing that technology to kind of ensuring that the technology is rolled out safely, with equity in mind, and that we're getting that feedback from the Minnesotans on what they think this technology could be used for. So we've seen a great way to get that feedback and kind of help educate folks on this technology is these demonstration projects, when people can experience the technology themselves, ride in a vehicle, be providing us feedback, letting us know what they think this technology could be used for, has been really beneficial. So that's what we're trying to uh, get this technology out to Minnesotans and have them kind of in all those different areas and try and reach as many communities as possible to uh, have, have us provide that feedback on the technology.
0: One of the coolest things you did in Minnesota at the Super Bowl one year, you had an autonomous vehicle operate the Super Bowl. So you want to talk about a really great way to build experience. That's the Super Bowl. But I want to get back into to Grand Rapids here because I think it's really fascinating. It's having a a positive impact on the residents' lives that live in Grand Rapids. For our listeners who are curious, Thomas, what is the Go Marty program?
2: Yeah, so the Go Marty program is a really community-driven 18-month project right now. And Marty of the Go Marty stands for Minnesota's Autonomous Rural Transit Initiative. And so it was deployed in October of 2022, so it'll run through March of 2024. We have five May Mobility vehicles, and I'll let uh, Kathy dive into the, the details on the technology there. But three of those vehicles are uh, fully accessible for folks, and they cover about 17 square miles in the city of Grand Rapids. We have about 70 stops. Uh, so people can request a ride using the May Mobility app or call into a local call center. And so it's point to point on demand. So people Uh, Once they request a ride, it'll let them know where that closest pickup point is of those 70 stops. They'll say where they want to go. It'll drop them off at that closest drop-off point. Uh, So it's really great. It's been operating for a few months now, six days a week. It's free to ride. And then we have a few goals that we're really trying to accomplish with this project. The first is really advancing this uh, automated vehicle technology in rural winter conditions. As we mentioned, this is really large and one of our first rural deployments of automated vehicle technology. So we want to see how this technology works in a rural setting. And in northern Minnesota, we get quite uh, the winter conditions. So it's a great way to test the technology in those harsh Minnesota winters as well. We're also wanting to engage and educate the local community On this technology by providing them that real-world experience of utilizing these vehicles so we want that two-way communication so not only are we educating folks on the potential benefits of this technology but also hearing from the community on what they may think this technology could be used to help solve some of those transportation challenges that they currently have we're wanting to provide that safe accessible transportation options for folks especially those with mobility challenges so that's why we really are excited to have those three fully accessible vehicles of being able to complement the existing transportation that's in grand rapids uh, to provide some more transportation options and lastly we're wanting to understand what the economic development impacts of bringing this really innovative project to a rural town of grand rapids may be
0: kathy 17 square miles 70 stops five fully autonomous vehicles in snow, not the nicest conditions in a desert, that's a challenging ODD. That's an aggressive rollout. Why go so big in a, in a very snowy condition, conditions that's not very nice to autonomous vehicles yet?
1: <laughs> well, the good news for Grand Rapids is it's not like that year-round. So, uh, right? There's, <laughs> eventually, there'll be some nice weather. But actually, you, you actually hit the point right on. We actually need the learning as well. So when we look at our deployments, we have different locations. We have Arlington, Texas, for example, Ann Arbor, Michigan, rainy, gets snow. Grand Rapids, it's a great learning place for us as well as we test out the sensor suites and the performance of the vehicles in these kind of conditions. You really can't think about going on a broader scale throughout the U.S. or in other countries if you can't manage weather. Right, So we have a safety driver in there today. The vehicles are constantly taking tons and tons of data in as we find the performance and new situations. So um, it's very valuable for us as well to be up in those, those kinds of conditions. What was it like
0: when you first went into to Grand Rapids and you got the weather report, we've got a snowstorm coming. Was it, yes, we can learn something? Or, or what was that experience like at the, with the May teams? Like, okay, game on. <laughs>
1: Game on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're we're very purposeful in where we go. You know, get the right partners, uh like MDOT and uh, you know, the County, for example you know, get the right partners and the right community outreach because that's what's going to make it all successful and meaningful, but also the learning behind the technology, right? I think we're advancing the technology very quickly. Uh, We have a really good eye on getting a driver out by the end of this year, but we also need to learn all the different use cases and make sure we're ready for all conditions.
0: What did you have to do from a hardware perspective for the vehicle, I grew up in Connecticut and the salt would get under the car. And you had to go to the car wash because the salt would rot the bottom of your car. You had to put, go from summer tires to snow tires. Did you have to go through all these traditional things a traditional human would go through for the vehicle?
1: Well, okay. So, our Sienna vehicle, right? It's a Toyota, specially made for us, autonomous Sienna, but uh, so that we can outfit it with all the ADK advanced driving kit sensors, software, et cetera. So, The vehicle itself does go through typical maintenance, right? It's got wheels and undercarriage, et cetera. So there is a part of keeping this fleet going that is traditional maintenance. Uh, As far as the sensors go, yes, it's true. So you've got salt. And if you think of the sensors as kind of the eyes and the ears of the vehicle, and you think of the central compute as kind of the brains, where am I going? What's my path planning, policy, decision-making? Those sensors you do have to be careful because it's a mix of vision and then LIDAR and radar. And so radar doesn't really care. Uh, It's behind a panel, but you think of the cameras, for example, if they get crusted in salt. So uh, part of what our team's doing today is looking at uh, potential technologies to actually clean those sensors real time. Should they appear to be uh, occluded or, you know, covered in something, looking at different ways to do that. You can imagine... Uh, blowing air on them. If you throw water on and it's freezing, that's probably not the best way. So you have to come up with some good high-tech solution to this, but the team's in the middle of doing that right now. And that's some of the learning, like I said, we get by going into these conditions. And that's what will
0: give May a competitive advantage as as you scale into other markets. You're battle-tested. You, you, you've you been through the snowy conditions. Thomas, what support is, is MnDOT giving May as they're operating in, in these snowy conditions?
2: Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we really are the project sponsor for this project, working closely with all the project partners of May Mobility and the City of Grand Rapids and all the other great partners we have on this project. So, we're really helping with that community engagement, we're helping provide some of that guidance and direction, some of our lessons learned from our previous uh, autonomous vehicle projects that we uh, have, and they did uh, operate in the winter in those as well. Uh, so, we have some experience with autonomous uh, vehicles in winter at MnDOT, so we're helping with those lessons learned, helping with determining what data needs to be collected, and making sure you know that we're providing those safe, accessible transportation options for folks. So we're really just there to, to support, to guide, and to, to help all of our great project partners make this be a, a really successful project for, for Grand Rapids and the community.
0: Did you have to upgrade any of the infrastructure prior to May operating in Grand Rapids?
2: All the vehicles operate mostly on city and county roads. So um, my knowledge is the city of Grand Rapids and Itasca County did not need to make any uh, infrastructure upgrades for the May mobility, May mobility vehicles to operate. Uh, we did work with the city to install signs at all 70 of those uh, locations. So we did uh, add some signage for folks to know where, where the vehicles would pick them up or drop them off. And then one cool project that we worked on was with the local high school students where they created some structures that were placed along some sections of the route to help with localization. So in a rural community, you know, there's less permanent fixed structures that the vehicle can use to help uh, with localization. So we worked with the local high school, great to get them involved in this project, and they uh, created some structures that were then placed along the route.
0: It's beautiful. You're you're engaging The local community, and Kathy, as I said earlier, Grand Rapids community, roughly 10,000 individuals living there. The amazing part is you've been operating there for roughly four months. You've gained over 1,200 rides. Repeat, 1,200 rides for a community of 10,000 residents. That's off the charts. What do you equate this overwhelming demand to?
1: It's a really good stat, right? In four months, I think it's actually 1,500, but I have to double check that. But in four months, a crazy amount uh, of rides, and 80-plus percent are repeat riders, and that's what we love to see because you're not just having the person come out and try it out once. We're actually getting repeat riders. And I think the unique thing, and I don't know how this is at your other projects, but, you know, one of the unique things is almost 25% of those rides were wheelchair-accessible rides, which is hitting that unique spot that I think we can bring to the communities. So, you know, the ridership and the embracing of the community – uh, sends a lot of data for us as well as to what's meaningful, right? And what's sticky for riders there. You know, what, uh, I think, you know, if you think about this as a way for someone who's transportation challenged, whether they're elderly or wheelchair, ridden, or just don't drive, don't want to own a car to get to their church, to get to school, to get to the grocery store, doctor's office. So you can see why if they had a successful ride, they can use a, a phone number too. They don't even have to deal with the app if it's someone who's not, Smartphone friendly; they can use a phone number, which I think is important too, to take down that barrier of having to be tech savvy. And uh, yet, they still embrace the vehicle, which is great because it means their experience—it's not scary to them; it's not off-putting. Uh, They—they're jumping right back in. So we—we uh, we love to see that. Um, maybe Grace and I can mention one other thing, just to tie back to when you said, "What's going to help us scale?" The high school project with the localization, the community engagement's huge. But from a technology perspective as well, we do have something unique in how we make decisions, how this vehicle drives, and it's important in this bad climate. It's called multi-policy decision-making, (MPDM). But what, what's critical is when you think about these difficult scenarios, it, it's basically simulating thousands of possible outcomes or futures in, in, in a second, right? And it's looking at the high risk and it's looking at the most probable, and so when you think of maneuvering, it's not just those sensors and keeping them clean, but there is, we didn't really talk about the brains of the vehicle and that, that type of decision-making and pathfinding allows us to deal with the most complex, you know, whether it's rural with a lot of pedestrians, like uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, when the students all pass between classes, it's a whole different game than when you talk about students building infrastructure, which helps us localize. It's great, I mean, you're on two opposite spectrums. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in.
0: What is great about it, you're bringing the local community together and they're part of it. Mom, look what I built. I, was, I, I did that and we're helping this technology. You're rolling up your sleeves. There's been a very common theme, Kathy, throughout this podcast, accessibility. Several of your your peers in the autonomous vehicle industry don't focus on accessibility. In the Grand Rapids project, you have three fully accessible autonomous vehicles. Three out of five—that's a very healthy margin—with 25% of the rides being wheelchair accessible. Why has May made such a large commitment to accessibility? While well, some of your peers have kind of—I'll use the word—overlooked it.
1: Well, first off, I can say part of why joined May was Ed and the team there and the culture. Right? It's part of the culture of people wanting to be in high tech, but how do we make it meaningful and change lives with tech, right? With AI, with autonomous, things like that. You know, it's it's a way to be involved in the kind of things we like, but also make a difference. And so, you know, I think for us, we do put accessibility first when we think about these vehicles. Part of why we moved to the Sienna van was because it did accommodate a wheelchair. And we had a Lexus before, which drove well. That wasn't really the issue. But these vans, and when we think about our future vehicles... You know, we always want to have accessible vehicles. And we do today in our fleets, at least one, depends on the community. But uh, we do strive to to be a part of it. You know, that's how you make it accessible, equitable to those populations that are underserved today, yet keep it safe. And, uh, you know, we like the sustainability aspects, too, so we're striving towards that. Thomas, when you put together
0: the commitment to accessibility, the overwhelming demand that you're seeing in Grand Rapids, as you plan in Minnesota DOT, are you looking at potentially deploying in other rural communities because of success that you're having in Grand Rapids?
2: So at this point, we don't have any plans for additional pilot projects throughout the state. I know there has been some interest throughout the state for some additional pilot programs. MinDOT has not been approached directly for any of those programs yet. I know that there were some federal grant proposals that were put in as part of the IJA bill in late 2022 that folks are still waiting to hear the results of that, uh, including to expand uh, GoMarty. So MnDOT isn't the lead agency on any of those applications. We did support uh, a few of those proposals, including the potential expansion of, of GoMarty. So we're still to be determined on what the future holds for more deployments. But at this point, we don't
0: have any uh, that are
2: directly planned for MnDOT.
0: Well, it's it's to be determined. The Compass denominator is you're getting really great feedback from the community. You're doing a really great service in the community. What type of feedback has MnDOT gotten from the community and the service?
2: Yeah, so we have a pre- and post-ride survey that we encourage all of our riders to fill out to, to get that feedback. Uh, so, so far we've really gotten positive feedback. We have about 4.9 out of 5 uh, rating thus far on, on our rides. But it's important to know that uh, this is a pilot project and we're still you know, early on in the, in the project so that total feedback is to be determined uh, You know, only less than six months into the project. So that's really what we're wanting to continue to get more riders, continue to get that feedback because that's a huge goal of this project is to really understand what that demand is, what folks in a rural community think of this technology. So we have some really exciting community engagement plans coming up in the spring and summer for local events to continue to, to get the word out on Go Marty and get that feedback directly from the community. So, so far it's been good, but we're continuing to want to, to get more feedback from, from the community.
0: Feedback is great because you can you can improve the experience, you can improve the product, and I'm very happy to hear that there's a dial ride. When I was in Beverly Hills and there was a lot of individuals that could, elderly, didn't understand how to use a, a, a smartphone, so we had to do a dial ride, and it made a really big difference for them. Kathy, we, we talked earlier about May likes to deploy in different weather environments, different ODDs. If you're looking to, as you did in Grand Rapids, deploy in a snowy environment, why focus on a rural community, not a major metropolitan city such as the, the twin cities of Minnesota and St. Paul?
1: First, it's not a technology issue at all. The technology is progressing. Uh, like I said, we're, we're aiming to have a driver out where allowed um, because there's a lot of things that gate completely taking the driver out, right? Part of it is regulatory, state by state, um, what's the policies, insurance, things like that. But from a technology perspective, the technology is very broad and can carry across not only into um, autonomous cars or vans, but also it could eventually be in trucks, delivery type vehicles, things like that. So as we think about and develop the technology, that's certainly a plan that it can go a lot of other places. But back to the urban versus rural, from an urban perspective, you know, there are a lot of people, there's a lot of availability for Uber types and taxis and large transit systems. And so the need, what we think we do is really complement the fixed systems that are there today, uh, whether it's large city or complementing what's in Grand Rapids. So if you look at what's our what's our market play and what makes sense for May and where can we really When it really makes sense for us to go to um, those underserved areas. And like I said, where we can complement something that's already in place. If you've already blanketed a big city with tons of transportation options, then uh, people have a lot of choice already today. So we're really targeting to go where, and it could be on the fringes of large cities. So I'm not going to say we wouldn't be in San Francisco, but you might be on the fringes where there's that, how do I get to the mass transit system? Just as an example. Right? So that's the kinds of things we're looking at. So it is a mix of variety of places, but um, uh, the rural is an easy one to say this makes sense. So we'll be looking at all of it and going where it makes most sense when we can add the highest value.
0: You're adding a lot of value in in Grand Rapids today. Thomas, prior to May deploying Grand Rapids, what was the transportation network like? Was it hard for individuals to get around? Were they just limited options? What was there before May went?
2: Yeah, so there is some existing transit options uh, in the city of Grand Rapids uh, with Arrowhead Transit. So we are really trying to complement, like Kathy was saying, the existing transportation. So we currently uh, operate with Go Marty from 2 to 10 p.m. Monday through or Tuesday through Friday, Saturday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. and Sunday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. So we're looking to complement that existing transit. So there was some transit, but... Definitely, uh, you know, some limitations there for folks, and then you know, they don't have, they have some, you know, taxi services and things like that, but they don't have Uber, they don't have Lyft, some of that on-demand options that folks have, may in, maybe in larger cities. So this is a great opportunity to provide those additional transportation folks, while also complementing that existing transportation options folks have.
0: And Kathy, as uh, may operates as a point-to-point system. I, I'm a resident of Grand Rapids. I da- I download the app or I dial for a ride. Can you walk us through what the May experience is like and what image individual can expect when they're riding in one of your vehicles going from point A to point B?
1: You know, basically, they can call up the uh, app either or on the phone, and they call. and Our goal is to be you know within five to seven minutes of them waiting for a ride. And so we try to gauge the number of vehicles we need at any particular location because you don't wanna have long wait times. So we wanna make sure we're providing capacity that it becomes uh, discouraging if you have to wait too long. So that's our goal is to provide the right capacity. So they basically get in the vehicle. Today, we still have the, we call them an AVO, the autonomous vehicle operator in the car, just in case of the off chance that there is some reason they might need to take over. But again, that's our goal. And we track that uh, interventions to drive that down to, you know, as close to zero as possible. And then, yeah, it, it's very unexciting, which is good, right? And so you ride to your side, off you hop. Now, it's a little bit different for the wheelchair uh, person. So if someone has a wheelchair, the AVO today, we have a big ramp that will come down that is uh, ADA compliant. And we also have a secondary ramp in case it's needed for a curb. And so the AVO today will help them get into the vehicle and secure the wheelchair. And they can bring with them. They can either bring a service animal or two other passengers can ride in the Sienna. So that's nice because if they have someone traveling with them to the doctor's office or, you know, to the grocery store, et cetera, uh, there's room in the vehicle. So um, anyway, it's a very safe ride. And uh, then we help them get back off again and you know we're looking at different technologies that at some point to automate that but it's a little bit further down the road when you think about really needing to secure the wheelchairs but that's okay you know it still could be driving in an autonomous mode uh, you just may have someone there who's just uh someone providing a service and just uh helping them on and off so that's how it works today
0: okay you've clearly designed and manufactured the sienna autonomous vehicles for accessibility how did you do that from a development standpoint? Did you have to tear the van down and run all these different scenarios and different curb heights? How how did you build it?
1: For the wheelchair accessibility, so BraunAbility is our partner, and they're very experienced in this space. They have a ton of data, a lot of experience. They've helped us modify these uh, to meet the compliance for ADA. So that secondary ramp is really what helps because it just comes out and you can set it and you know, independent on the curb and then get them to the street and then right up into the back of the van. So uh, I've done it myself. It's actually, I can I can pull that ramp down and I could help someone now that I've tried it out myself and uh, it works well.
0: Well, did you get any support from Toyota? As you as you work with Pro Mobility Toyota, offer any support from an, an engineering perspective or what would work best on the vans?
1: Well, Toyota just in general is a strong partner of ours as far as integrating and understanding the Santa and outfitting it so that it's ADK or autonomous ready for us to implement the additional piece that makes it autonomous, basically. So uh, Toyota is a key partner uh, from a technology perspective, uh, but BraunAbility then focused primarily on the ADA wheelchair ramp. I will tell you, we did have to partner with Toyota though, because when we went to the van, we actually had to move where we had originally put some of the sensors on the rear, needed to be moved to accommodate the wheelchair ramp. So we did have to make some accommodations. And of course, like I said, Toyota's always involved and uh, together we make sure that we have a, a safe product that's out there. You're clearly
0: thinking this through and Thomas, we've heard throughout this podcast, marty has been, in my words, an, an overwhelming success. What happens when the, when the program ends? You try and get federal funds to continue it and, and eventually expand it, but what happens?
2: Yeah, so like I said before, right now we have funding through a 18 month project, but there was a federal grant that was applied for to continue beyond that. So still to be determined uh, on that funding. So uh, yeah, so that's where MINDOT's participation, um, you know, with the funding will end at the 18 months, but we're excited to see what comes of it. And that's what we're really trying to continue to learn is what is that interest? What is that demand? What is those uh, use cases for the community? So we're wanting to get that community feedback to really learn uh, what they think of this and if it could be, uh, you know, something that the community is interested in long-term.
0: Thomas, let's go into the future here. MnDOT has a a strong record of, of embracing autonomy and deploying it for meaningful value for the residents of the state of Minnesota. In your opinion, what is the future of autonomous vehicles in Minnesota?
2: Yeah. So we see a lot of potential benefit with autonomous vehicles. So we're continuing to plan and prepare for that future of transportation and wanting to help ensure these benefits are realized for all Minnesotans. So to do that, we're continuing to test the technology in different communities and throughout the state, and wanting to, you know, really get that feedback from Minnesotans on what they think this technology could best be used for, and wanting to get that from our varying communities throughout Minnesota. So we're always wanting to keep equity in mind with the future of autonomous vehicles. The second thing I'll say is the future is here. So we have a lot of, you know, level one, level two vehicles on Minnesota roads today. So that technology is only going to continue to grow and see additional uses of connected automated vehicle technology with things like truck platooning or using the kind of technology on our maintenance vehicles. So we're going to see this technology use expand. And with that current technology, we're really wanting to see how that can continue to be more accessible for more Minnesotans and more equitable for folks. And with that higher level of automation with projects like GoMarty, the main challenge that we've seen has been moving from that pilot phase to that long-term deployment. So that's why projects like GoMarty are great to really help us learn what needs to happen to potentially move to that long-term deployment. And lastly, you know there are things that MNDOT and other local agencies can kind of do to help push and advance autonomous vehicle technology, but there's always going to be some of those gaps that uh, we know you know, can't be done. So to help us realize the benefits of autonomous vehicle technology, so the technology is only going to be as good as the infrastructure we can provide to support it. So we're going to continue to work with great technology providers like May Mobility to really understand what is needed for autonomous vehicle technology, so how we can continue to advance and safely uh,
0: you know, have this technology on the roads. Kathy, Thomas said it beautifully. The future is here. Yes, the future is here. May is operating in multiple states. You're creating value for residents and individuals all across the United States. You're in this new role. You're going to kick some serious butt. What is the future <laughs> of May Mobility?
1: Yeah, I think um, Thomas said it well, it is here today. And I think, you know, the big thing now is how do we go big and how do we scale it? Uh, we, we've actually got some operations going in Japan. We have new locations that will come online that I can't really say what they are. But, uh, of course, Japan because of working with Toyota. So we are starting on a to get on a global basis. Uh, I think, you know, maybe the biggest thing for me to say is, you know, the possibilities are endless. I think, you know, making transportation sustainable, thinking about safety always first accessibility, equitable, accessible, things like that really are meaningful to our communities. And so I think May's got the technology. I think we're moving fast, but at a safe pace and uh, you know we're gonna have a great next couple of years as we scale. We've got great partners. We just announced a partnership with Via, who is a leader in uh, tech transit and so they actually are the back end to our May, Uh, mobility app. And so partnering with them, I mean, we plan to put thousands of vehicles out because they've got a great uh, network out there today. So it's just an example of finding the right partners to help scale and taking our, what we think is superior technology that'll allow us to do that. Uh, Partnering with communities like Grand Rapids and the community outreach is just, it's such a fun, cool space to be in. So uh, I think we got a great team at May and uh, Ed's done a great job of Bring it to where it is today, and I hope to help them take it even further with the rest of the group.
0: There's no doubt you will. May is scaling. Minnesota open for autonomous vehicle business. And Kathy, as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, what would you like the listeners to take away with them today?
1: I would say take away embrace autonomous vehicles. It's going to change people's lives. They're safer, and they're going to allow more people to um, get on the roads and get where they need to be. And so uh, embracing the technology, I think everybody's Try it out, you'll like it, you'll think it's great. And you, if you think about it, put it in the context of how well do your elderly parents drive like mine, or shouldn't be driving? And how do those teens drive? And how about the people who don't even have someone to drive them or ride? So you put in that context I would encourage listeners to get out there and try one in some of these areas where it's located and embrace the technology. It is the future, and, and it's here now, so take advantage of it.
0: Autonomy is the future, 100% spot on. Thomas, what would you like the listeners to take away with them today?
2: Yeah, I think I want listeners to take away that there's a lot of exciting things happening with CAV uh, in Minnesota and throughout the country. Folks should check out our website, GoMarty.com, to learn more about the project. And come to Grand Rapids and take a ride on Go Marty Shuttle. We're really wanting to learn as much as possible from this exciting project and continue to collaborate with great partners throughout Minnesota and throughout the country to help prepare Minnesota for this future of transportation and really ensure the benefits of the technology are realized for all Minnesotans.
0: The future is here. I encourage listeners, as Thomas said, go to Grand Rapids, Minnesota, take a ride in a MAMO vehicle. May mobility vehicle. It'll be a great experience. Today is tomorrow. Tomorrow is today. The future is Go Marty. Kathy Thomas, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today.
1: Thanks for having us. Thanks. It was fun.
0: Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as we continue the Go Marty conversation and dive into the rider and community experience.